What's up, everybody? Great show for you today. Going to be talking a little bit of the Live PGA Tour business with Mr. Durr at the top of the podcast, and then we're going to be getting into everything and anything U.S. Open. I hope you guys enjoy the show. And this episode of the podcast is proudly sponsored by the second annual Barefoot Classic. If you enjoy playing golf in your pedestrians, feeling that grass in between your toes, this is the spot. Go to suavegolf.com, click on our sabbaticals, and sign up for the second annual Barefoot Classic taking place on Saturday, September 23rd. Again, suavegolf.com, click on sabbaticals and check it out. And that's it, everybody. Please enjoy the podcast. Yeah, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Now, I hope you brought your bathing suit. Welcome to Nice Grass, Nice People. Kyle Serlo here, and I am joined by notorious nice guy and frequent friend of the podcast, Mr. Christopher Durr. Chris, it is U.S. Open week. Very, very excited to talk to you, man. So there's no other way that I can start this podcast by just getting it out of the way now. How has your uh, your golf news consumption been the last week? Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to be on Nice Grass, Nice People. Uh, it's my favorite week of the year. I love the U.S. Open. I've been on record many times saying the U.S. Open is my favorite major. All you people who stand Augusta, get in my DMs. And uh, my consumption this week has been high. I have been crushing content. I have, I have, uh, I'm always really excited for the U.S. Open. I always think the U.S. Open is the sickest. And this year especially, just because of the fact that it's right up the road from me, right down the road from you... West Coast Opens are always the best. Again, Augusta See. people, get in my DMs, dude. West Coast majors are by far and away the best viewing experience, and I think that this week is just going to showcase how good Southern California golf can be when it is done right, and I can't wait. For sure. You know, my uh, my opening question may have been a little bit vague, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase it one more time because I want to get this out of the way before we start just diving balls deep into... Los Angeles Country Club and everything that's going to be taking place here this week. Do you have any thoughts on the very subtle changes proposed to the future of men's professional golf via last Tuesday's news on CNBC? Um, a lot, a lot of pause, a, lot, a quick little look up to the gods there because there's just a lot to unpack. We don't even have to stay on this too much, but I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Since everything happened last week, we avoided talking about it before we started recording, so I figured I'd just spring it on you right here at the top of the show oh. because you are a man who cares deeply about professional golf and and, and, and high-level amateur golf, and this affects everything. So I was kind of curious, just you know, your 10,000-foot view of what's what, what, how, how you feel about everything going on right now. I'll hit you with my bullet points. I think I have, I think I okay. have five bullet points. It might be four bullet points. We'll start with sure. bullet point number one. Jay Monahan is a scumbag, dude. Is a super scumbag. Like like top level scumbag. Like unbelievable. Like I am not a person to heckle people at sporting events. You know, I'm more of an a, a positive reinforcements guy. If I go to a baseball game, good job. Knock it out of the park. Home runs are cool. I'm that guy. 
If I see Jay Monahan at a PGA Tour event, if I ever go to the players, I'm going to be in that dude's ass. And I, I'm honestly, I'm willing to get a talking to from a security guard. Not kicked out. I'm willing to get a talking to. <laughs> That's uh, Jay Monahan, super scumbag. Question: What 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 is more annoying about Jay Monahan? The fact that he his face is showing himself to be just the, the largest you know hypocrite, perhaps in the history of you know commissioners in American professional sports, or the fact that he's just pretty inept at his job. I, I I'm going to go with a third option. I don't even think it's those two. Please. I think those two are really bad. I think. I think, well, I guess I guess this one would fall under ineptitude. Sorry, or three, his, that he can't find a suit that fits. I mean, that's true. I, I, I think, I guess this would fall under ineptitude. I always thought Roger Goodell was, like, the worst commissioner in sports. But want to know something cool? Whenever anything happens in the NFL, I hear Roger Goodell talk about it. I Whether I disagree or agree with what he's saying is kind of irrelevant. I always hear what he has to say about it. Always. Front-facing. Cypress Point member. Roger Goodell. There we go. See? But, like, I'll always hear what he's saying. I'll hear his takes. What Even if I think his takes are horseshit, he'll stand up there and deliver them with a smug-ass look of confidence. (laughs) And you know what? Good for him. I'm so mad at Jay Monahan for just pulling the rug out from everyone. I think that is just so Bush League, dude. That's like like fourth-grade playground that he, like— shenanigans that he pulled dude and i just think that's bush league dude i think that's lame i think that's bush league i think that's inept i think that's childish i i you know i can go on and on about the things so i i think that i think the general ineptitude is something that really bothers me and it just bothers me that like he made all these guys go to bat for him right on the tour to basically stay loyal to the tour uh even though Everyone in the media was essentially calling for Jay's head two years ago, right? And he made all these guys go to bat with, for him with, about, with good reason. And that's why I was like the first part was like good reason. He's, he's been kind of bad at his job for a long time now, and now for to just sure. show his ass like this is just—it's just kind of embarrassing. I'm not kind of embarrassing. It's, it is very fucking embarrassing. And it's just so ballsy on his part too. He had uh, uh, this just further goes to show that his attitude towards the whole thing has been like fucking do something about it, you know? And it's like man screw you if that's going to be your attitude to the people who are essentially like going to bat for you like that's just so scummy man that was so scummy that was so scummy so that's my first bullet point jay monahan's super scumbag my second bullet point i feel bad for rory and i don't think we have for to linger sure. too hard on this i feel i'm as a as a i think, I think that's a pretty fan, consensus take because I, I feel like everybody's just sort of looking like fuck man this guy just got used you, i want to give rory a hug like, I want to dap Rory up and be like, man, for like, real. it's all going to be good, dude. Like, for the first time in my life, I want I'm, I want to tell I've, – I've always been like, Rory, like, you know, my whole thing has been like, Rory, please win more majors. This would be so cool. I want to give Rory a hug and be like, bro, if you never come back to professional golf, like, I get it. Like, go hang out with your kid and your wife, dude. Like, you're a borderline billion-dollar athlete. Like, I go chill, bro. Like, this A, man. This with a huge trust interest me, in this, this killer uh, video, you know, screen golf league that's coming up. So he's got buku bucks to make. Yeah, it's like, dude, you know what? Hey, you know what, Rory? You don't have to do this. You know, then it's crazy because I want Rory to do this. I feel like I'm saving a stripper. You know, it's like you, you don't have to do this. <laughs> there are other ways to do. There's other ways. You know, like there's another path for you. That's the attitude I have towards Rory all of a sudden, where I'm just like, man, Roxanne McElroy. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly, dude. That song from the Police has never hit so hard. Um, uh, or right, what, what do you got for bullet point number three? I'm, I'm so curious. The golf fan wins. We win. Like, at the end of the day, bro, my the my viewing experience is only going to get better. So, good for us, I guess. I didn't do, do you anything feel like, except... Con- 
do you anticipate having kind of just like an icky feeling watching professional golf? Or do no. you think maybe you'll have that at first, and then over time it's just going to kind of go away just knowing that Saudi Arabia is funding uh, the PGA Tour? I mean, I don't know. Does that make a difference for you? I No, no judgment either way, because I think I've, I've had a... When this news first happened last Tuesday, I went and recorded a quick reaction pod, uh, which anybody you know listening now is more than welcome to go listen to. I just kind of just shared my immediate thoughts for 15 minutes or so. And I was pretty distraught. And it's really wild and I wouldn't say embarrassing, but how much I vacillated in the last week in terms of like how I think I'm going to feel and the idea that I'm going to be able to watch and not think about anything Saudi, you know, Saudi, you know, I, I, it's crazy how quickly I got to the point where I was like, you know, I probably will be watching a lot of PGA Tour golf and not thinking about it, which I guess is the whole point of the sports watching thing to begin with. But uh, still doesn't change the fact that I'm, you know, bummed out morally, but I am excited to see all the guys play together. Is, is that mostly what you're referring to in terms of it's good for us? Yeah, I think it's good for us in the sense that like we'll get to see all the guys play together. The PGA Tour product might change a little bit for the better. Frankly, we've been calling for for changes to the PGA Tour product for years, right? So like now there's there will you and actually I have been be doing that a lot the last few years. Yeah, so now there'll be there will be changes now, right? Uh, so at the end of the day, the viewing experience unless Jay's unless viewer, Jay's still at the helm, and then then I don't I don't know if we can be too sure. God, dude, Jay's gonna be gone. He's. The chairman of the board is the the guy who's in charge of the public investment fund, so I doubt Jay will be around for much long. Er, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, as far as how I feel about it, I for sure took the moral high ground uh, road or route when um, the original PGA Tour and Live uh, rift happened. I would for sure was like, man, like how could we buy into the Saudis? You know, how could we? You know, that was my initial reaction, right? That was my knee-jerk reaction to the whole thing. Um, Then, um, that was the first reason I said I wasn't going to watch Live. The second reason I decided not to watch Live was just because I didn't find the product very interesting. You know, after I did tune in a few times, I wasn't I, really I think that's tuned. the biggest elephant in the room is that it's just, it, like, wasn't an entertaining golf. It just wasn't entertaining. I mean, I know there was big it's, names there, but it, it had no stakes. And without any stakes... You know, I, I mean, unless I'm there or, you know, I'm, I'm much more, in, you know, I, I guess I have an intimate relationship with whatever the event is that's happening. It's just it's really hard to care when there's no stakes. Exactly. And so that was kind of my whole view with with the live when it first started. Um, but as far as my reaction, I will say that I will watch PGA Tour Golf with no guilt uh, just because I have watched other sports that the Saudi Public Investment Fund has gone all in on. And it felt no guilt, right? I I love European yeah. soccer. I've always loved European soccer. I watched European soccer when I was a kid, uh, specifically Bundesliga, randomly enough, because that was the channel we had when I was growing up. Nice. When I was a little kid and super into soccer, so super into the German league, which obviously has not been super diluted with the PIF. But um, I don't know. I've always watched all the leagues in in the Champions League and everything. And I mean, Saudi Arabia has had their hands in that for a while. I watched the Qatari World Cup. I watched every game and really enjoyed it. Didn't think anything of it. So, uh, just based on my actions, if I was to truly like hold a mirror up to myself and and like answer that question honestly, like will it affect my viewing of the PGA Tour? No, it obviously won't, dude. Because I've watched all my other sports get slowly and surely, you know, invested 
by uh, by the piff, you know, and it hasn't it hasn't affected my viewing, right? So I think I was yeah. somewhat brainwashed, or I bought into the narrative that the PGA Tour put forward because I was someone who enjoyed the PGA Tour product, and I took the Rory side, right, where I was like, you know what, I'm I will stand with Rory. I will watch the PGA Tour. I will I will buy into these bullet points, and I will I will buy I will go down this path, hoping that it will you know lead to some kind of righteous golf experience but now that jay has pulled the rug out of from all of us and and said fuck it like well then if we're all saying fuck it fuck it dude just give me good golf with the best players in the world and i'm gonna watch because i love the sport and i love watching it yeah and i think it uh, for me it comes to now i don't have a choice so now i might as well just enjoy it where i feel like you had a choice before you didn't have to watch the saudi golf product and now if you just want to watch the best you know the best golf out there you don't have a choice and i think that's kind of helped me get to the the mental place where it's like okay you don't have to love it but you will love it because you love watching golf so that's just it is what it is i don't know yeah exactly. any, any more bullet points for you i think that was it i said four but that was three so th- those were literally all my bullet points on it um three uh, expansive bullet points by the way we can count that as four correct correct we'll count it yeah 3.5 <laughs> but yeah that was it um, i i think the my most real one is i do feel bad for rory dude i hope i meet him one day and give him a big fat hug and he's gonna be like why the fuck is this stranger hugging me and i'm gonna be like man you know why <laughs> i just know you know uh switching you know switching lanes here i i was gonna ask you this right at the top of the podcast uh and then you know obviously we hit the go button i just get so excited i immediately start talking golf but i i did want to get your very quick reaction before we really dive into the u.s open um on a scale from nine to ten, how heartbreak, how heartbroken slash devastated are you that Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors are no longer the reigning and defending National Basketball Association champions? I'm more heartbroken that Bob Myers is gone. <laughs> if we're gonna be 100 I mean, percent honest, dude. <laughs> it's, I'm much it's more. It's very rare someone that intelligent and that handsome at, at the helm of a major yeah. major sports franchise. It really was incredible. Uh, what 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 a run I, for Bob. Yeah, what a run for Bob. I um you know, all 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 great things must come to an end, you know? The Warriors dynasty started back when I was living in San Francisco and was going to college and it was a very fun ride and it lasted all the way through my move to San Diego and my first 5 years here in San Diego. It's been an unbelievable run and all good things must come to an end and it does make me sad that it seems to be coming to an end. But I I will f- always remember the ride, just like I will always remember the first three games of hope I had this season with the Padres season. It's the exact same thing, dude. It's just three games in the Padres I, season where I was like, man, this is going to be do, an unbelievable year. Do, do we need to get and, in at all to how your your psyche is is handling everything going on with the San Diego Padres baseball club right now? I can just live and let go, you know. I can just live and let go, and it's and you know, and and I'm doing it with all my sports teams right now, dude. And I've already been practicing it with the Chargers. I'm not even getting on the hype train. I'm just like, you know what, dude? Whatever happens with the Chargers season happens. Whatever happens with the Padres season happens. The Warriors dynasty is over, and it's okay. I'm in a full. I'm just. I'm just. You know. I'm. I'm. I'm letting the things that I love go, and if they love me, they will return also. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a great call. That's where you my know, sports I, fandom some, is going at this point. Someone made a good point to me in that almost every dynasty, you know, not all, but most dynasties in any sport, they end kind of ugly. You know, it, oh, it's sure. usually not a very, you know, I mean, nope, not very few, if any, get to have a last dance, right? Where you go, you go the way and you walk out on top. John Elway, that's not really a dynasty, that one too. Um, but, you know, MJ, but the it's like, you know, most of the time it's gonna be kind of brutal, and 
I have accepted that, but I also am not losing hope. I feel like I feel like they can be competitive next year. So I'm 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 holding you know I'm holding out hope. So anyway, uh, and any last basketball thoughts? The the finals are over. The Denver Nuggets are champions. Any other uh, basketball related musings that you need to share before we uh, we dive into the golf, my friend? Uh, Stan Kroenke just invested in a humongous project in San Diego to redo our sports arena. So if we get a basketball team, uh, I will have to renounce my Warriors fandom. That is that's pretty much fair. that's pretty much my last basketball bullet point. <laughs> totally, totally fair. So, all right, man, let's shift our focus to the 2023 United States Open at Los Angeles Country Club. Finally, the, the, the North Course, excuse me, at Los Angeles Country Club. Uh, they are a 36-hole facility. Um, you know what, man? I, I I could start a million different places, but I guess the first one I'll start with is: Do you have any like personal familiarity? I don't. I don't know if you've played the golf course or not, but do you have friends that have played the golf course? Do you have Do you have any personal experience with Los Angeles Country Club? Yeah, I have a bunch of buddies who have played it. My buddy Tyler, who I caddied for uh, for a year in PGA Tour Latin America, mm-hmm. strangely enough, uh, play has played Los Angeles Country Club probably sixty times. Uh, when he was playing at LMU, love that. Uh, he he said that was their home course, and I remember yeah. when I was a kid. Not a kid, but when I was in college, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, he was like, yeah, we played L- or he's like, LMU played LACC every Monday, first thing in the morning, like 6 a.m. We'd play the North course, like just that was our schedule, you know? And I remember being in college and always being like, what about Wilshire? What about Bel Air? What about Riviera? And he would always be like, yeah, we play all of those like once a month, <laughs> you know, like once a month we'll play those ones, but we play LACC every week. And I remember I was always like, do you like LACC? And he would always be like, dude, it's the best. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? The name is so boring, dude. Like, you know, like, what are you? And he was always just like, dude, it's the best. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. It's really hard. Out of curiosity, what uh, what year would this have been? 2010 to 2014. Okay, so this is post, like, right there when the renovation slash restoration had just completed. So he's playing the golf course that they're playing this week for the U.S. Open. Correct. And he was like, dude, okay. it was so hard. He was like, it was so hard. It was so good. It was his favorite. So um, I've heard nothing but great things about LACC. Uh, my buddy Brian Turley, who used to come on the OG No Gamies podcast, RIP. Yes. Um, he uh, He's played it before with a member, said it's unbelievable. Uh, the, the hot take going around, the elite golf players of the world, you know, the guys who have played those top 100s and chased down the top 100s there, the... The take everyone's throwing around this week is that they like LACC more than Cyprus, which is just such a fucking snobby take, dude. And uh, whether it's true or not, like, I don't care, you know? Like, just the fact that you everyone has to be saying that right now is grinding my gears a little bit. Because it might be. It might be better, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, like, I don't like when you have to tell me that it's better than Cyprus just to remind me that you've played both and I haven't, you know? <laughs> What a dickhead. Well, I guess uh, I would say in Southern California, would the North Course at LACC be number one on your bucket list? No, it's not. Okay. I do I do really, really want to play it. I love Gil Hand's courses. Um, I, I am super keen and curious about playing LACC. My number one is for sure Riviera just because I'm a history buff. Like I like yep. golf course history. I like general history. Um, so just the 
the legends of all the people who have walked on Riviera's fairways. I've the 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 yearly tour stop at Riviera. I hold Riviera in a high regard personally, right? That does I'm not saying that I think Riviera is a better golf course. I'm not saying that um but you're also you not know, saying that it's not. I'm not saying I don't know, right? I can't I can't speak to that cuz I haven't For played sure. either, right? But as far as just like my my own personal uh like nostalgic desires, uh Riviera sits slightly higher on that list. That being okay. said, I'm not going to turn down an offer to play LA Country sure, Club if sure. it comes before Riviera, right? Like, <laughs> well, but I'm let, just saying say, that like, Riviera's been in my head for so much longer than LACC has. So let's say whoever the biggest, you know, biggest big dick in Southern California golf is and says, Chris, we get two rounds of golf, man. Two rounds of golf in Southern California. I will take you to any, to play two rounds of golf anywhere you want in the southern half of California. Where are you going? Riviera LACC. and... LACC. Okay. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, so like it, it's, it, it, it's right. Yeah. Okay. They're one and two. They're one and two, right? Like I'm going to, I want to go see both of those, but Riviera just gets, has the history, which I nerd out about. And, um, and we do get to see just, Riviera so much, much more frequently. Exactly. Much, I feel like I have a much more intimate relationship with Riviera, even though I've never stepped on property, which I just think is cool, right? It's just cool to like, it'd be cool to finally go see it. You know, I, I, I liken it a lot to, um, early golfers. Like when you're, 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 you know like those air that era uh everyone wants to play pebble beach right because no one knows cyprus exists and so you're like and they like it that way and yeah and of course and that as they should right like but when you're like 15 everyone's like what course do you want to play you're like oh dude pebble beach bro pebble beach would be so sick and then you get to like 18 19 20 and you like you're like this is also pre-social media days so you weren't seeing videos of cypress point all the time you know but then all of a sudden people are like, there's another course called Cypress Point, and it's private, and it's supposed to be sicker. And you're like, bullshit, dude. It can't be better than Pebble. And then you start looking around, you're like, oh, whoa, it's like way better than Pebble. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it sounds like for a lot of people that it would be kind of the relationship between something like Riviera that they see on TV every single year and then something like LACC, which um, has never hosted a U.S. Open before. It's only hosted a couple of USGA championships. Uh, most, the, most recently, it hosted the Walker Cup in 2017, 2017 which a, a lot of guys on that walker cup team are uh competing in this year's u.s open so that should be very interesting and then before that i think the last usga event held at los angeles country club i don't have my notes in front of me i believe it was like in the early to mid 50s uh you know maybe it's a, it's some yeah it's just absolutely wild i know um los angeles country club was high 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 on the usga's wish list of golf courses and for the longest time they've been wanting to host a U.S. Open at LACC, but the membership, um, you know, <laughs> love it or hate it, it's kind of always been of the mind of like, you know, this is actually my country club that I'm a member here to play. Uh, I'm sure it'd be great to have a U.S. Open here, but I just don't really want my golf course closed for several weeks. Like, it's kind of important for me to be able to go play a couple times a week, and so that alone has prevented the United States Open from being contested at Los, Los Angeles Country Club until now. Um, and I think the USGA, for a number of reasons, one, this is just supposedly, because I have not been there myself, I have not had a chance to play it, but it's supposedly uh, one of the crown jewels of golf on the West Coast. And it also, as you were saying before, the West Coast US Opens are just the best for a, a number of reasons, but uh, in the interest of the USGA, the additional television revenue money that they will be getting from having primetime viewing on the weekend on the East Coast, uh, big boon for them. 
because I do believe the U.S. you know the U.S. Open is the only uh, tournament that the USGA hosts that generates any money or generates any positive revenue, and it basically funds most of what they do throughout the rest of the year. So it is of paramount importance uh, for them to be generating as much revenue as possible. And when you do it on the on the West Coast, it's just much easier to do. Um, and also, it's nice for West Coast golf fans that we don't have to wake up at five thirty in the morning to start watching golf. I love that. Yeah, I uh there's a whole lot to unpack there and I just Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I kinda of went on a tangent, but yeah, but please. I was I love the tangents. I I'm I'm so here for the tangents. I listen to your podcast because I like listening to you talk. Uh <laughs> I I I'll, I'll just I I'm just gonna harken back to the same point and and I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but like I am so excited for this US Open and I I think because of the fact that LACC members did not want to host a U.S. Open because they don't want to lose their golf course, because LACC is one of the true crown jewels of West Coast golf, uh, I I truly think that no matter how good this tournament is, I don't think we have a high probability of seeing another U.S. Open at LACC. I think this. I there think is, this has a. There there is one more on the calendar already. They have already, already. scheduled. So they've already so the USGA for whatever oh, reason yeah. on the last yeah the last couple of years has just gone on this crazy bender where they're booking out the US Open sites 30 years in advance. So the US Open is already scheduled to return to Los Angeles Country Club's North Course in 2039. Okay, so that's So we won't what, see it again for a while, years? but it, yes, in 16 years we will see this tournament at this golf course again, but um yeah, it's uh yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but yeah, after, no, after that, perfect. who knows? I just, I just hope that like, I hope that watching a U.S. Open pro- like harkens on some similar feelings that it would feel to get an invite to play LACC. Like, I it this week already feels really special. Like, I can't wait to watch. I'm going to be super locked in because I want to see it, and I don't want it to get like played out. You know, I want it to be something that like is is such a. It is truly a treat to be let. On this property, even as spectators from your couch, it still is a true treat to be able to like see what this golf course is. Um, so I I don't know I am I'm just so excited and that the the gravity of that of the fact that the U.S. Open is at LACC is not like is not falling short on me right like I'm 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 so fucking juiced dude I'm yeah, so I, juiced I am, I am unbelievably juiced for this golf tournament I know man it's um. I've and been Southern watching... California and Southern California golf fucking sucks, dude. Like, don't, don't tell anyone. But uh, it, I, I did hear Jeff Shackelford <laughs> talk about it on the Fried Egg podcast with the five things to look forward to for this U.S. Open, and he made a very true point about how Southern California golf fucking blows, dude. Unless it's like super private, but like San Diego's got nothing. LACC, Riv, Bel Air, Wilshire are good, right? But like that's and Valley Club. But that's like it, dude. That's all we have. And then Rustic is great and Soul is great. Those are both modern courses redesigned by Gil Hands with his little fucking Salt Bay finger move on it. So, but we're uh, also talking about a region of the country where there's like 25 plus million people and there's only a handful of good golf courses. That is, it, that's problematic. Grossly underserved, right? So to be able to see our true crown jewel, right? What is, you know, like I said earlier, Riv is Riv is the one that's near and dear to my heart. But like everybody makes the case for LACC being the best course in Southern California, and they say it as if it's not even close, right? To get that showcased on TV to really show what Southern California golf can be, 
um, I think it's just going to be good for Southern California golf in general, right? Like, I think just to have that as, like, the North Star, as something to shoot for, I think uh, will yield, like, better redesigns, better restoration projects, better ideas when new golf courses get built. Like, I, I don't know. I just think that, like, just pushing that... If everyone can see what Southern California golf can be, I think more places will start to embrace what's what Southern California golf can be, right? And I think that's just an overall good thing for the region of the country and the world that I live in. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I will say this. Um, Southern California golf, I feel like, in the coastal counties is, like, one thing because, I mean, you know, the geography of Southern California is pretty varied. I mean, you got, like, Mammoth. You have, like, you know, the huge mountains where you could be up playing golf in the forest. You have the desert, right? Palm Desert, Palm Springs, which is its own thing. It's very, very different. And then you have, like, the coast. You have San Diego... Orange County, Los Angeles golf, which actually feels like its own thing entirely. It has a very unique aesthetic. And I think what's most, one of the most exciting things about the tournament that's going to be happening this weekend is that there, there was so much painstaking effort to try to really present Los Angeles Country Club to the members, you know, playing every day, but also keeping this U.S. Open in mind when it's going to be shown on TV about exactly what you're saying, what it can be. When, when Southern California golf is done right, this is how spectacular it can be, and I've been absolutely blown away, man, by all the video. I mean, I've been consuming a lot of uh, video content looking at this, and actually, you know what? This is actually a good transition here. Um, I, I figured, you know, I know you've probably watched a lot of these already, but I figured it'd be good to let all of our very, very fine and nice listeners, uh, you know, know that there's a couple of videos out there that I would I would just say they're required viewing. If, if you want to enjoy this tournament to the fullest extent, I cannot recommend enough to go onto YouTube. Um, both the USGA and Golf Digest have done full 18-hole flyovers, you know, every single hole. Uh, Golf Digest does those for a ton of, you know, for a ton of them, and they're always great. The USGA's one is actually really superb as well. The main difference is that the Golf Digest video has commentary on it. The USGA one does not, but it has a bunch of cool graphics kind of built into the flyovers showing kind of what, you know, carries are, showing, you know, uh, you know, markers to, you know, the yardage from the tee to the front of this bunker and all that kind of stuff like that. So that's really fun. The fried egg, uh, which you had already mentioned, great plug. They've already done two awesome videos um, that I've I've watched one and a half of. I was actually watching one right before we uh, started recording this podcast. I did one on the restoration of Los Angeles Country Club, and then they did one on George Thomas, which, if anybody listening is unfamiliar, he is the architect, designer, uh, whichever, you know, nomenclature you prefer, of Los Angeles Country Club's North Course. He also designed, uh, previously mentioned, Riviera. He also designed Bel Air, uh, the three golf courses that are considered to be the best in Southern California. One man designed all of them. And so the Friday did a great uh, video on George Thomas where they talk at length about all the courses he did down there, his life, how he came to be, you know, basically the best architect in the history of Southern California when it comes to golf. So cannot recommend that one enough. Uh, and there's been some other different stuff. No Laying Up has done a couple of videos. They've done a film room. They did a uh, kind of history of the U.S. Open. Uh, I think it's called The Office Hours, which is really good. So um, if anybody out there, you know, after they listen to this podcast is still wanting a little more, you know, a little more juice to get them sufficiently amped for this weekend, there there is a lot of stuff out there. Have you had a chance to watch any of this stuff yet? I haven't watched the George Thomas video. I did watch the fried egg video on the restoration, and I haven't watched either the Golf Digest or the USGA flyovers, but I know I'm going to crush those tonight or tomorrow night. Um, yes. I was honestly trying to save content. I watched the no laying up Tron versus Solly match. Like, 
I uh, I was trying to save content because I was like, dude, I got I sure. have a full week of stuff to to catch up on, you know, so or to be ready for. So, um, the it, the the world of golf has been busy with non U.S. Open related news as we, you know. Correct, and I've also just been trying to leave myself something to watch, baby. Come on now, man. I can't just watch it all in a day. I can't blow my load too early. Um, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I, in a slight, like, slightly different tangent, right? But I think George Thomas put his fingerprint on Southern California, which I think is really cool. Um, and then Southern California golf has been largely untouched by anyone and has frankly regressed for a long time because people keep doing this little this, little that, little this, little that. And, you know, things get away from what they originally were. Uh, and it seems like Gil Hans has really taken up the flag of not just Southern California, but all of California, like and truly trying to bring out its true potential on all the golf courses that he touches out here. Um, and so I'm really grateful and excited to be living in a time where Gil Hans is trying to essentially reshape what California golf looks like. And again, I think this mm-hmm. will be his, his greatest achievement. And I think this will be such a good advertisement for, for Southern California golf, dude. I'm yeah, man, I don't know. I, uh, I love the content. I can't wait to dive into the content, but I haven't gotten into all of it yet. Yes. I, over the last seven, eight years, however long we've been doing this podcast, I have gone, uh, I've mentioned many, many times how much I enjoy reading uh, Jeff Shackelford. I think he's just a, a phenomenal uh, golf journalist. I, I enjoy his writing. He kind of keeps his eye on the ball and all the things that I find most interesting about golf, you know, most of the golf course architecture. Um, and he is heavily involved um, in this tournament, not directly with the USGA, but he is a George Thomas historian. I, I believe he wrote a book on George Thomas uh you know, at Riviera, and then it just kind of evolved into him basically being the go-to George Thomas historian. He was heavily involved when Gil Hans did this restoration um, in terms of helping him restore this golf course back to as close to the original Thomas design from the late 1920s as possible. He's been doing a ton of media. As you mentioned, he was on Andy Johnson's Fried Egg podcast. He is involved in all those other Fried Egg videos that we had mentioned. And, um, you know, he... (laughs) It, it's not surprising that not only did they work together to restore Los Angeles Country Club, they also, you know, worked together to design Rustic Canyon, a public access course. So, like you were saying before, it's most of the great golf in Southern California is private, but I feel like if somebody was to go to Rustic Canyon, it's not going to be like playing Los Angeles Country Club, but it's got some Los Angeles Country Club kind of, you know, fingerprints, you know, here and there, just in terms of how fun it is and... and um, so yeah, man, I'm 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 really looking forward to that. I'm excited for I'm excited to read a lot of Jeff Shackelford's uh, on course reporting this week with you know being so intimately involved in everything that happened there uh, at Los Angeles Country Club over the last 15, 20 years. So um, all right, with that, my friend, let's let's get a little bit more nuts and bolts here. Um, where do we want to go? Do we want to start talking about pairings? Uh, do we want to start talking about odds? Which which direction do you want to go here, my friend? Let's go pairings. I think we've talked enough about the golf course for two people who have never seen it. So let's just start talking about some players, man. Let's get into let's get into pairings because I think once we start talking about pairings, then odds will naturally fall, right? Like because then we can start. So I think let's go let's go through pairings and then we'll we'll talk about odds as we hit big names. Perfect. Yeah, and I highlighted like eight pairings for Thursday, Friday. Um, Obviously, we can go through you know more than these if you want, but these are the ones that I kind of noted that I think most people are going to pay attention to. I think the featured groups on Thursday and Friday are. 99% you know, going to be coming from one of these groups. 
this is where we're going to be focusing on many of the best players in the world. So uh, why don't we start with the first kind of high, you know, first marquee group going out on Thursday from the 10th tee, or for, excuse me, from the first tee, Shane Lowry, Justin Thomas, Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy came very close last weekend in Canada, and I don't really know how to feel about Shane Lowry and Justin Thomas. I mean, how say you, brother? Uh, I expected nothing from this group. Okay. I, I would parlay all. <laughs> I would parlay all three to miss the cut. Like that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with those ones. JT, no. I feel like JT sneaky hates the West Coast. Tommy Fleetwood is about to fly across the country to come to this golf course. And across the continent. Yeah, across the continent. How how can I be so stupid? He's going to fly across <laughs> the continent to come to this golf course. JT sucks on the West Coast. Everybody knows it, dude. And Shano, dude, like, I love Shane. It just ain't it, dude. Like, I'd par- I, if there's a parlay to, for all three of those boys to miss the cut, dude, I'm up on that parlay. Okay. I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not totally against that. I think looks like Shane Lowry is at 36-1 to 1 right now. Uh, Justin Thomas at 24-1. to 1. Uh, and then if I'm looking on my little list here, I don't even have Tommy Fleetwood. So Tommy Fleetwood is longer than 46 to 1. Yeah, so, tough, dude. Tough. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, let's go to the next group. We're just going to go in order of starting time. So also starting on the first tee, Colin Morikawa, Max Homa, Scotty Scheffler, two Southern California natives, and the basically the person who has been the best tee to green golfer in the world, by a mile for the last four months. Yeah. Uh, I like Scotty here. I mean, it's hard not to. Sure. Uh, he I, is the I, betting favorite right now. He is plus 750. I, he I he think, is the betting favorite, despite the fact that he has shown no evidence that he can get the putter working, but he's been so good everywhere else. It almost seems like he just needs it to be sort of below average, and he could win. I think with putting and majors, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, a putter will win you a major, but ball striking will keep you in it, right? So, realistically, he only needs to make putts on the back nine on Sunday. If you can just hit the shit out of the ball for three and a half days, it'll probably be all right. Like, he'll be right there. <laughs> it's sure. like, it's uh, it's my same theory with amateur golf, just, like, you know, translated on a much greater level, right? In amateur golf, like, if you're playing a qualifier in amateur golf, as long as you shoot around even par, you'll be competitive, right? So, you just want to be even through 12, 13, 14 holes, and then if you need to make birdies, go make them when you need them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for this guy, right? If he's not making any putts, it doesn't matter. He just needs to kind of make a few on the back nine, and he'll probably pull away if he's hitting the ball that dang good. Uh, Scotty's interesting, though, because Scotty was benched at the Walker Cup. Uh, he had a four-iron out of bounds on the back nine on, like, his Saturday foursomes match. Uh, like that. Like 40 yards OB, dude. Like, it was so bad, uh, and got benched for the afternoon sessions because... They were like, brother, you can't be hitting four irons out of bounds. Like, we just simply can't have that. I got dudes like Will Zalatoris and Colin Morikawa on this team that don't hit balls out of bounds. Just about you're hitting ever. it like a niche golf podcast host, not a yeah, walker exactly, not walker exactly. What, what are you doing? So, uh, Scotty has bad memories here, frankly, but I do think he'll play the best. I am a Max Homa stan. I'm rooting for Max. Homa. I was going to say I, you, you took the words out as as a noted Max Homa stan. I, I I'm very curious to hear what you think Max Homa's prospects are. Uh, Max Homa notably shot a 61 at the North yes. Course at LACC during the Pac-12 Championships you know, almost 10, or maybe 10 years 20, ago. 2013, so, yeah, 2013. 2013. So he's had success at this golf course. We know he loves playing in Southern California. He always plays well at Riviera. I mean, he's won it. He's got a runner-up. Obviously, 15 minutes away with no traffic, same architect. 
do you think this is where we finally get to see Max Homa on a leaderboard on Sunday? In a major. I will I I'm refusing to put any pressure on Max Homa. I am That's such a, that's so polite of you by the way. I want I want I want to applaud you in, 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 just for being a man of integrity. I'm rooting for him so fucking hard, dude. Uh but I don't want to put any pressure on him, so you know, whatever Max wants to do this week, he can do and it's going to be great. One humongous red flag for me with Max Homa. He's played great on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. He's won at Riviera. He's won at Torrey Pines. Both Riviera and Torrey Pines have Poana greens. LACC is bent. He has won at Riviera and Torrey Pines. Both of those courses do not have short grass around the greens. LACC has short grass all around the greens. So I don't think this will play as traditionally as other West Coast golf courses play. So I think that might be a disadvantage for him. So this is me reverse jinxing him. This is me saying that it might not set up that great for him, so he might not play that good, hoping that he plays really good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I I do. I, I I love that the uh, the personal like you know reverse jinx is is always a play. I, I'm a big guy when it comes to emotional hedging, and I'm, I'm glad to see you're subscribing to that same school of thought. Um, what do we think about Colin Morikawa or Colin Morikawa? I don't know why I pronounced it like a like a moron. I, I did hear in an interview that Gil Hans, uh, the gentleman who led the charge in this restoration, when pressed to pick a favorite to win this championship, out of all of the top players in the world, he very very quickly said Colin Morikawa. Uh, would be his favorite to win this golf tournament. I'm curious if you... I'm not asking you if he's your favorite to win, but, I mean, do you think he's got a great shot? I'm fearful of Colin Morikawa. I feel like this golf course is really long. Like, really long. Like, 74, 7,500 yards, um, par 70. But, unlike a lot of these par 70 major championships... um, Five par threes, three par fives, including the opener. First hole is a par five. So I feel like a lot of times you almost never have more than two par fives on a par 70 layout. Um, so there is, yeah, an addition, a little bit of additional length, like you were saying, but I feel like it's not quite, it's not just 500-yard par four after 500-yard par four with, you know, two par fives. He's got at least one more par five to kind of, I, I don't even know where I'm going here, but I, it's, it, it, I just wanted to mention that it is a little bit different than your typical par 70 major championship layout because it does have that extra par 3 and that extra par 5. I, I'm just I'm just leaning towards bombers. My mind says, uh, I think they're, the greens are so tricky out there from my understanding of what I've watched. Mm-hmm. Not tricky in the sense that they slope back to front. Or tricky in the sense that there's like a bunch of random shelves like Augusta. It just seems like all the greens have really weird tiers. Where if you're on the wrong end of one tier, it goes away from you. And if you're on the other end of the tier, it comes back at you. Mm-hmm. Right? So like if you miss a shot to a back pin and you miss it short, you're going to have to go up and over something and then down and away from you. And it seems like a lot of the greens have that thing that kind of thing going on where like Augusta has these different shelves that you have to hit and you can feed it into the right shelves, you know, so iron play is really important. Um, but if you miss it, you know, you're just going to really struggle. I feel like here having a shorter club into the greens is really going to be an advantage because if you miss, it's going to be very, very tricky to get it close. And I just don't think Colin has the firepower. 
I don't it's not knocking Colin's iron game. If Colin has a great iron week, of course he's going to be right there. But mm-hmm. I think that just having the advantage of hitting a pitching wedge as opposed to an eight iron into a lot of these greens, I think is going to really add up over the course of 72 holes. So I'm not super high on Colin. I'm not against it, but I, I just think that the length of the golf course will really, really kind of beat him down over the course of four days. Sure. Hey, you know, it's funny, like leading up to this tournament the last month or two, uh, and I guess even beyond, I've heard a lot of people speculate that the USGA was actually going to kind of tame down the length of the rough compared to, you know, most U.S. Open setups where it's, think, you know, think Wingfoot, just absolute death if you go in the rough. I mean, not too dissimilar from Oak Hill was at the PGA Championship this year, right? Where, like you were saying, you know, if you're fucked in there, so you might as well have a pitching widget because it's the only way you're going to be able to maybe generate any spin and be able to, you know, hold a green out of the rough. I, I heard for a long time that they weren't going to be doing that at LACC this year. That They were going to tone down the rough just a little bit compared to other U.S. Opens to try to give players a chance to be able to recover from the rough and give more players, you know, with varying skill sets and, you know, strengths, the ability to compete at this golf course. Now, um, the USGA sent out a tweet yesterday on Sunday the, during the final round of the Canadian Open saying, you ask, you shall receive, and it showed a picture of some balls in the rough at LACC that were borderline not visible, like laying, laying in the rough. And I'm actually suspecting that they're just kind of just trolling everybody, that it's not going to be that bad. I know I've heard uh, within the last couple of days reports that the rough is honestly kind of inconsistent around the golf course. There's going to be some spots where it's really tough. There's also going to be some spots where because of the, the kind of Southern California June gloom, you know, the whole golf course, other than the greens, is Bermuda grass. Um, it's a warm weather grass, and given that it's been, there's been a lot of cloud cover in Los Angeles the last few weeks, um, it nice. hasn't been able to grow in its optimal growing conditions. But that also means that some of the rough uh, has not grown as thick as it normally would be. So it does seem like um, there's a chance that there's going to be a lot of opportunities for guys if they miss a fairway that they may catch a break and have a lie in the rough where they can still they can still work, um, which was not the case what it felt like at Oak Hill. It felt like if you miss the fairway, you're just doomed. You just need to get it back on the fairway or just try to get it anywhere on the green if possible. I do think we are going to be able to see guys, um, and, and uh, I believe it was Cam Smith's press conference today where he was saying the exact same thing. He had a bunch of different outcomes when he you know missed the fairway during his practice round today where he said some were good and some were tough. And so that keeps me optimistic that maybe a player like Colin Morikawa isn't going to basically have to sign a death certificate once he starts missing a few fairways in a row. Um, I don't know. You're a much better golfer than me, so you, you let me know if what I'm saying makes any sense to you. <laughs> I, I agree, right? I think that's I think the I think just the simple enticing you to do something from the rough is the most entertaining way to watch golf, right? So I'm all up on the idea of like enticing Colin to try to hit shots on the green from uh from decent or somewhat mid lies in the rough, right? Uh I just do think with the short grass all around the greens and the insane runoffs that the greens have, um, if you misjudge one of those or mess up one of those and you make a double or a triple, which is very possible out there, it seems like, like that's it, right? Mm -hmm. Like one, you know, it's like there's all those stats about like, you know, no one's ever won a major without making a triple or, you know, all those things, right? Like. And Colin is notoriously uh, like very similar to Victor Hovland, right? Like not the best at a short game, right? So once you're on short grass, on tight lies, to firm greens, you 
you'd have to be an elite short game player to find a way to get those up and downs, which is why I'd lean a little more towards Cam Smith over Colin Morikawa in the sense of like similar profile of players. Just because Colin, if Colin has that nine holes where he's not playing a hundred percent perfect, I feel like he's more likely to get caught with like a caught with a gut punch from the golf course that he wasn't expecting. Right. And back his way into a double or triple that he, that he probably shouldn't have made. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think that's totally fair. Um, do you think it makes any difference? I know Morikawa is, you know, is known as a great ball striker with his irons. Um, LACC, I believe, is going to have the widest fairways at any U.S. Open. I would say since Aaron Hills, but I think there's actually more. I think there's. I mean, you, you played Aaron Hills. I, I you tell oh, me, yeah. did Aaron Hills feel really, really wide when you were out there? For sure. Yeah, Aaron Hills felt fucking long though, dude. This shit was like eight thousand yards. It was so <laughs> long, dude. It was insane. <laughs> I was not like my whole thought process on the driver was just like, oh my god, just hit it as hard as you can, dude, because this is retar- this is ridiculous, dude. Like this is yeah. so this is so long. Like it was so long, it was, dude. It was dumb. Like how long it was? It was so <laughs> long, dude. It was, so, dude. It was eight thousand yards. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, the, uh, which was, by the way, this this is a great reminder. Anybody out there who's listening to this podcast. If you want to see our, our our guy's beautiful golf swing, I would encourage you guys to go and check out the Breaking 80 series that the Random Golf Club did uh, at Aaron Hills because you know my, my my fine guest Christopher Durlow right here was one of our one of the the prominent players featured. Um, but yeah, so all to say is Los Angeles Country Club is going to be the widest golf course they've played at a U.S. Open in at least six years, um, and I wonder you know yeah if that could benefit somebody like Morikawa where he's just going to have more irons from the fairway than maybe he would otherwise have and i think that was probably the reason why gil hands kind of his mind went immediately went to him but i i don't know I, and i think back I, I think listen i think if colin morikow has a great driving week and hits 80 percent of the fairways right and is just absolutely crushing it with with hitting fairways and doesn't hit any balls and in, in suspect lies in the rough i think he'll be right there I think okay. the difference that'll keep him from winning is the fact that he will eventually be hitting an average of eight iron into the greens when some of the bombers will be hitting an average of nine iron or pitching wedge. And I think that'll make a difference over four days. And then we all know Colin is not the best putter in the world, right? So if it comes down to the back nine and it's Scotty and uh, Cam Smith and Colin Morikawa and one of them needs to make a putt, dude, like I'm ranking Colin Morikawa last, right? So I think okay. a lot of I think a lot of things need to go right for Colin to win this major. Not saying he can't. Okay. I just think a lot of things need to go right. Yep, that makes sense to me. Let's go with the last morning tee time on Thursday, and we're going to jump to the back nine. So starting on the tenth tee, teeing off at eight twenty four a.m., you have again another one of your boys, Xander Shoffley. Then you also have the infamous Vic Hovland. I cannot I cannot wait to see Victor's outfit on Thursday. I I am oh, absolutely choosing. So and then we also have uh, the Spaniard, John Rom. So Xander, Vic, Rom, teeing off at eight twenty-four a.m. West Coast time, starting on the tenth tee. Immediate thoughts, my friend. I love that group. I think there. I think that group has the highest pro. Like that's those are three guys that for sure can win it, right? Like yeah. Uh, Victor, I just mentioned, not as good a short game, right? Like we we all know that, right? Like not mm-hmm. not the most prolific short game player in the world. Unreal driver of the golf ball and a bomber. And a really yeah. good iron player, right? So, like, and, and is also and, on, and is on a heater right now, and is on a heater, right? And is on a heater. So, I think I, I'd edge him over Morikawa just a little bit. Victor bombs yeah. the ball. Xander bombs the ball. Southern California boy, like, 
flying under the radar low key and John Rom loves Southern California as well. Like I think I, I, I highly expect all three of those guys to be very in the mix. And, um, and I'm just going to bunch Xander and Cantlay into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, this seems like a this this could be a big Xander and Cantlay week. Both of those guys are sneaky bombers. No one ever describes Cantlay as a bomber. Cantlay hits it far, dude. Cantlay hits it super yeah. far. Uh, Xander hits it super far. Both of those guys make a lot of putts. Both those guys have adequate to above average short games. Uh, both those guys hit their irons really good. Like, I think I think it could be one of those guys, but I think as far as the Vic Xander Rom group, I think the all you can I think you can count on all three of those guys being in the top ten. I think all three of those guys are going to show up. I think all three of those guys are going to play fucking awesome golf, and I I am very excited about that pairing because I think I think the guy who wins that pairing on Thursday and Friday is going to be set up for massive success going into the weekend. Yeah, I think from a odd standpoint, that is the most high powered group. Um, that we are going to see on Thursday and Friday, uh, sans the last group that we're going to talk about. Uh, but I believe John Rahm is the second favorite for this tournament. He's at plus eight fifty. You have Xander Shoffley at seventeen to one, and Victor Hovland at nineteen to one. Do you think that's right? Do you think would would you between Xander and Vic? Do you have any sense on who you have more confidence in to finish holding the trophy on Sunday? I would say Victor, just because he's on a heater. If Victor okay. was not on a heater right now, I'd say Xander on just okay. a skill basis thing. But like it's it's hard. Like you know, we're gonna ride with a hot hand just on that on that decision, right? Because Victor's just on a sick okay. heater. Right? He's on a sick one right now. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into to the afternoon tee times. Uh, we're gonna stay on the tenth tee at one twenty one p.m. West Coast time. This is not necessarily a marquee group uh, for the average you know casual golf fan, but for the golf sickos. Getting a chance to watch Tom Kim, Sahith Gala, and Cam Young together, I am very, very excited about. Uh, between between those three, uh, who's the one you're going to be paying the closest attention to, my friend? I'll be playing the closest attention to Sahith. I just want to see what Sahith sure. does. Cam Young does not interest me, man. Like people love Cam really? Young, and yeah, dude, people love Cam Young, but he seems he reminds me of Plank from Ed, Ed and Eddie, dude. He just looks. <laughs> That's what I. That's what I get every time I, I see. My edit and I, I was just phasing out of Cartoon Network when Ed, Ed and Eddie started. I, I feel like my my little sister watched a lot more Ed, Ed and Eddie. That is, I, I'm not totally familiar with the program. He's just a two by four with a face drawn on him. That's what. <laughs> that's what, like he's just got a smiley face drawn on him. He's a two by four. That's Cam Young, dude. Like he's just like it's just it's just. Just a two by four, dude. Like I don't know. I I think no, people like, just really like the pause at the top of the backswing. I think they do too. I think they. And do I guess too, they also man. like the results in last year's majors. But I, I I hear what you're saying. He doesn't seem like he's got a uh, an outwardly magnetic personality. Uh, to put and it like, dude, and he hasn't won yet, bro. Like I don't know. Cam Smith, Cam Young does nothing for me. Uh, I'm super in- intrigued with Sahith, another secret Southern California boy. Uh, mm-hmm. So. And then Tom Kim, I like Tom Kim, but Tom Kim carries his driver like 272, so I'm just out on that. And he's not particularly straight, so it's just like, I just know that I would get my butt kicked by LACC, and Tom Kim and I have the exact same trackman numbers, like literally to a T. I know this for a fact, dude. Like, I know this for a full 100% fact that uh, Tom Kim and I have the exact same trackman numbers and the exact same swing box numbers. Obviously, he's a better player than me. I'm not saying we're the same player, <laughs> but I'm just saying that, like, I would get my you ass You would not like eat. your prospects yeah. on tour. 
I would not like my prospects this week, dude. If I had to go tee it up this week, I'd be like, you know what, dude? I don't think I'm going to have a good time. So I'm I'm kind of dumping Tom Kim in that bucket as well. So fair, I'm up on Saheed Tagala in that group. Saheed's just got a nasty short game. Uh, can play off short grass and bombs it. So it's obviously the weakest part of his game is approach play, which needs to be really, really good this week. And I don't think he's got he's up to snuff on that realm. But he does have an epic short game and he does bomb it. So I think both of those things will help him out a lot. Okay, beautiful. Uh, let's jump to just 11 minutes later. Uh, we'll go back to the first tee. Uh, two foreigners and a notable, you know, amateur. Although I don't know, but is Sam Bennett still an amateur, or has he has he gone professional? He is a professional golfer now. Okay, so Sam Bennett is now a professional golfer, uh, last year's U.S. Amateur Champion, and he's playing alongside reigning U.S. Open Champion Matt Fitzpatrick, as well as just one of, one of the biggest names touring the Live Golf Circuit. Uh, 2022 champion golfer of the year, Cam Smith. Thoughts? I'm excited about this group. I uh, I don't think Sam Bennett's going to play well. Um, short game, not up to snuff. Approach game, not up to snuff. Short hitter, I'm, sneaky. I'm in agreement with you on that. Yeah, I think Sam Bennett misses the cup by a fucking mile. Nice guy. Misses the cup by a mile. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, sneaky bomber. No one likes to talk about that, but he hits it far now, so I think Matt Fitzpatrick the speed will play. training appears to have worked for Matty. Yeah, it clearly has worked for Matt. So I, I think Matt could play well this week, but uh, I think defending a major is one of the hardest things in the world to do unless you're Brooks Koepka or Tiger Woods. So uh, I don't know what to expect there, but I think I don't know if Matt will play well. Cam Smith is the one I'm super interested on. Australian dudes seem to play great in Southern California. They seem sure. to kind of vibe with it on a personal level. Uh, so I think Matt Fitzpat or excuse me, I think Cam Smith uh, could get quite vibey with LACC, and I, I, the, uh, nothing would make me happier than to see Cam Smith really charging for another major dub. I think that would just be awesome. Hell yeah, yeah, I, I would love to see Cam Smith play well. Um, and you know he seems to be in a good, you know, a good headspace. Like I said, as I watched his press conference earlier today. Uh, he seems confident. He, he looks good. So I, I don't know, man. I. Between Cam Smith and Matt Fitzpatrick, it sounds like you would be leaning towards Cam Smith in terms of who you think has a better chance to win this thing. Uh, yeah, for sure, I would give it to Cam okay. Smith there over Matt. I not 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 to knock Matt's ability at all. I think Matt's an unbelievable player. I think a lot of things set up really well for him. I just haven't seen much from him this year, um, and I think defending a major is really really hard. Yeah. Um, all right. We're at the same exact tee time, one thirty-two West Coast time, teeing off on the tenth. I only included this group because of one specific person. Uh, you know, there's Sam Burns, there's Keith Mitchell, who I still just, the fact that Keith Mitchell doesn't have Crunchy Pete on the bag still just bums me out to no end. Um, but your guy, Dustin Johnson, um, I don't think we've had a chance to do a pod together since the PGA Championship, unless I'm mistaken. But after that opening round 67 at Oak Hill, uh, and then he kind of just went MIA after that, I want to know... Pretty much, you know, of this group, unless you have thoughts to share on Sam Burns, um, kind of how you feel about DJ going into this championship. You know, I think DJ is entering his MJ Wizards portion of his career. <laughs> Great take. <laughs> and I'm and I'm okay with it. You know why? I love him. Uh, I'll forgive DJ for anything that he wants to do. But I think DJ is very much playing for the Washington Wizards right now. And that's fine, dude. He's getting a little fat. He's getting a little slow. He's not really hitting the ball that hard. So, 
DJ did usually what he had not a great formula for professional athletes. DJ did what he had to do, made his made his couple hundred million dollars, and is now just cruising. So you know what, DJ, cruise away, my dude. You know what? You're just cruise a cru- away. You, he's always been a cruiser. Just cru- just ride that ship into the sunset, dude. I'm. I never expected anything less. You like you said, dude. Dynasties never end pretty. This one's not going to end pretty, and that's okay, dude. Because I I I was there. I I was there for the ride. And I was very invested in DJ, but I think DJ is kind of. Uh, I think DJ has shown us his card. I think DJ has, has. I think we're playing. If we were playing poker, DJ like just flipped his cards over and thought that's what folding meant. And we we're like, no, 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 you're supposed to just throw them at the dealer. And he's like, oh my bad. Well, this is what I got. So who cares? <laughs> and it's like, well, all right, whatever, DJ. Like he just he just seems to be so out of touch and so out of tune. And if anything that he finds in the next five years, as far as wins or anything, will be full on back doors, full on just backing his way into it without even knowing about it, and that's okay. But I don't want to discredit someone else from this group. Sam Burns is my sleeper this week. Sam Burns is my huge sleeper. I am big on Sam. I'm Burns very, this very week. happy you brought it up because I wanted to know what your thoughts were on Sam Burns because this whole golf course, you know, Sam, you know, or you know. Within inner circles of the golf world, no, more commonly known as Bermuda Burns, the guy who just thrives yep. on Bermuda grass. Yep. You know, when yep. he gets out to LACC and somebody's like, bro, there's Bermuda everywhere. The fairways, the rough, it's all Bermuda. And he's like, bro, I'm about to take it. Like, the greens are bent. Is he thinking immediately like, damn it, I have no chance or fuck it, maybe I'll make an exception this week. No, I th- I am I'm hugely up on Sam Burns in all my pools okay. and everything. I'm so up on Sam Burns this week. He's an absolute bomber. He's a mediocre approach player, an excellent putter, and a decent short game player. But he becomes an excellent short game player on Bermuda, which is what this place has in all its green surrounds. Uh, I'm I'm so up on Sam Burns this week. I think Sam Burns is going to have a, a monster week this week. I think he finishes top 10. I'm very much rooting for, for Sam Burns. I think Sam Burns wins this group, hands down, on Thursday, Friday. I think he wins the group. Uh, I'm... I'm, I'm poised for a big sam burns week beautiful okay i love that all right two more groups to go with you my friend before we uh, start wrapping this podcast up here so uh at 1 p.m again west coast time by the way that's crazy to think that these guys are going to be teeing off at 5 p.m on the east coast good for so the east cool. coast fans so, so cool. awesome um 1 west coast time tony finau jordan spieth and we've already mentioned him patrick cantlay i uh that's a great group, right? That's a great group. I think all three of those guys it's have a great a chance. group. And I want to say I right even, now, right now, man, I I don't know if he's going to win. I wouldn't put my money on him winning, but I just have a feeling about Jordo this week. I do too. I do too, man. I think I think Jordan's going to play great golf this week, dude. I think Jordan's going to be. I think Jordan's going to be very much in it. Uh, I think Tony Finau sets up great for him as a long bomber as well. I already mentioned how much I like Cantlay this week. Uh, I yeah, I I think this group is uh, another one of those power groups, very similar to what we were talking about earlier. Like very similar to what we were talking about with the what was it, Xander, Vic Hovland, Rom. I think Finau, Speed, Cantlay. I think the, all all three of those guys are poised to make a really good run. I don't know why I'm so up on Speed this week, but I just am. I think Speed is going to play some great golf. It's he just has like, been playing despite the wrist injury. He's actually been playing pretty good golf. I think his shots gain numbers for the last couple of tournaments have generally looked pretty good. I, I do think, you know, I mean, he has won a U.S. Open. It was at a golf course that was on the West Coast that was big and wide at Chambers Bay. 
I, I think there are, you know, there there are some dots you could connect to convince yourself that Jordan Spieth has got a real chance this weekend, and I'm I'm taking the bait, brother. I am too, man. I'm taking the bait as well. The quirky courses he does great on, the little yes. little wonking like I don't know. Like he's he's when he plays good, his approach plays good. Approach play being good here will really help him. I I, I I'm with you, man. I think Speeth is I think Speeth is a sneaky killer pick this week. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the last one of our uh, our featured groups here. Unless uh, do you have anything you wanted to add about Finau? Or you're all good there. I'm all good on Finau. I I think Finau is going to be in a in a position to play well just because he bombs it and hits it straight. So I think that's a good thing. For sure. Uh, but I I don't know if Finau is going to be the one. You know. Okay. Well, I think this is probably going to be either the you know this group is going to have the top billing for the first two days, or it's going to be one B because I think we already mentioned Xander, Vic Hovland, and John Ram, John Rom. Um, at 1.54 p.m., uh, the only player in the field with multiple U.S. Open titles is one Brooks Kepka, and he will be teeing off alongside Hideki Matsuyama and one Roxanne McElroy. I, I, you take this anywhere you want to go, brother. I think Rory's depressed. <laughs> so I don't think I don't think Rory's gonna play. You need play to get good. up to LA and give this guy a hug, man. Bro, Rory Rory needs a Chris Durr hug. I've been known to give good hugs for a man with a small frame. Uh I I think Rory is depressed. So I don't expect Rory to play well. Hideki, I think, is probably also depressed because he turned on a three hundred million dollar live deal and Jay Monahan spit in his face uh and then showed up so and got him and then got him an Uber. So and I think Brooks is just laughing. I, I mean, I think Brooks is going to play fucking great this week. I, I think, yeah, I think Brooks. Is gonna, I think Brooks might win, dude. I think Brooks might might win the whole thing. I think really, I think, yeah. He's dude. got the third best odds uh, at the books right now. I believe he is at plus nine fifty. So the only players that have better odds than Brooks kept going into this championship are Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. He is ahead of McElroy, Cantlay, Shoffley, Hovland, Morikawa, Cam Smith, JT, Spieth, Homa, all of them. Brooks Kepka has better odds and with good reason. I mean, the guy he should won be, a yeah, major exactly. championship one month ago. Yeah, I think Brooks is going. I think Brooks has a really good chance of winning this week. Uh, of those three guys, I think Brooks is going to absolutely dust them Thursday, Friday. I think he's going to take a huge lead over them. I, I, I think Brooks is going to finish the best out of that three, and it's not even close. I expect nothing from Rory. Uh, you, similar to quick, the Max quick question Helm, about Brooks. We talked a lot about these Southern California guys and how they're comfortable playing in Southern California. To my knowledge, um, I don't recall Brooks Kepka really having any success on the West Coast. Um, do you think that does that play any factor at all into you assessing his chances for this weekend? No, because he's won five majors. So I think I think it's <laughs> one of those things where if, if, if at Keep this point, simple, stupid. yeah, at this point, no, dude, I don't even. I think he played okay. terrible at those 2013 Pac-12s too, uh, or not the Pac-12s. He played here in college for something. I don't know what, okay. but I know he has played here before, and I don't think he played. I mean, great. his five major championships: three in New York, one in Wisconsin, one in Missouri. Yeah, I mean, like, none of those locales are very similar to Southern California, so. Again, no, whether that makes any difference, I have no idea. I don't either. I think Brooks is just a fucking killer, so I think he's just going to show up and figure out a way to play that golf course to a, an elite level. So I think, yeah. I think it's hard to count Brooks out, dude. Brooks is a monster, and we all know it, and none of us want to admit it. Do you think there's anything to them putting Brooks and Rory together? In I think. A group, do you think that's going to have? Do you, do you think it's going to impact either one of those players that they have to 
to play 36 holes with the, you know one another to start the tournament? Yeah, I think it'll affect Rory more than it'll affect Brooks for sure. I think, like I said, I think Rory's depressed right now, dude. So I think that's not helping. You know, like I don't think that's gonna that that pairing is really gonna be great for Rory's psyche. And Rory is obviously a psychotic player, you know. So I I don't I think yeah I I expect nothing from Rory. Okay. All right, so th- that's it for uh, for our featured groups. Let's uh, just real quickly go through a couple last little things before we put a wrap on this. Um, weather. Weather for this week. Apparently, there is an on-site forecaster by the name of Jake Swick, and uh, he is expecting the June gloom down there to kind of continue uh, throughout the practice rounds before it warms up a little bit on Thursday, Friday. Uh, intermittent cold, you know, or excuse me, clouds and mixed with sun on the weekend, and says that Sunday's final round may have some decent wind gust potential um so Woof. should be for a uh make you know make for a very tantalizing um sunday uh i also i wanted to let everybody know you know one thing about these majors is they've become so good at making sure they give golf fans the opportunity to watch as much golf as they can possibly consume now this is not going to be on the level of the masters uh but it you know it does appear that nbc who is uh going to be broadcasting this event this is still part i believe of the fox golf package that they basically gave up uh that nbc bought for pennies on the dollar um i think they're going to be they're going to be showing a ton of stuff if you have peacock that's great i think they're going to be showing everything on peacock but also um there's going to be tons of complimentary coverage for people that don't have cable Uh, i think you can go to the usga's website um as well as a couple other places to watch for free uh, but basically, most of the important golf is going to be taking place on NBC and then also for Thursday and Friday on the USA Network. Where do you stand on NBC compared to the other broadcaster? You know, most notably CBS versus NBC. Do you have do you have any any preference between the two? For the longest time, I was an NBC guy, and then the last year, CBS has completely blown them out of the water. So I'm I'm a CBS yeah, guy as of this agree. year. Yeah, I was always an NBC yeah. guy. But CBS has clearly outdone them, so hopefully NBC has something to to keep up a little bit and, and show them a little something uh, coming into this U.S. Open. But I don't, I can't, I'm not yeah. expecting anything. Oh, I'm sorry, I found my notes here. Uh, featured groups are going to be shown on Peacock, also on USOpen.com. They will also be available on the new USGA mobile app and the USGA streaming app that can uh, some TV devices are allowed to uh, download. So lots of different options for people that are trying to keep their eye on everything. Um, and like I said, for the featured groups, if you're, you know, most likely you're going to be watching one of those groups that, uh, Mr. Durr and I just kind of went through and previewed. Do you know anybody that's going, going to the tournament this week? Yeah. My four ball partner, Brady will be there on Thursday and Friday. Okay. Okay. That's good. I, I have heard that if you are one of the people listening to this and you are going, it should be difficult getting there just because it doesn't seem like any of the parking or shuttles or anything like that is going close to. The golf course, no matter what you do, whether you drive, whether you take an Uber, the drop-off spot for uh, ride shares is apparently Beverly Hills High, which obviously if you're a 90210 fan, you, you would be pretty cool, but it's also a pretty long walk. So I have some inside information that if you are taking an Uber, Lyft, whatever it is to the golf course, um, it's going to want to default you to Beverly Hills High because that's the kind of drop-off for the U.S. Open. Uh, it's like If you want to find just a house on Strathmore, street or devon or beverly Glen, uh just pick an address there and apparently that will actually get you right to the golf course and right through uh the driving range gate so just a little tip that i found for anybody that's going to visit um you know going to the golf course and 
to to watch everything in person this weekend. I, I'm kind of jealous, man. I feel like this would be a fucking great U.S. Open. The last U.S. Open that I saw in person was 2012 at Olympic Club. Had a fucking blast. Um, but I, I, I'm a little ashamed of myself, given that as two California natives, not going to a U.S. Open in our home state does feel a little dirty. Uh, I unfortunately am busy, so I will not be able to go. But yeah, I do feel a little dirty to be missing it, right? I would love to go, uh, but I will. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be wild. But uh, yeah, it, it does feel a little nasty to not be going, right? I do feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, I, admittedly, I'm, I'm so stoked for this U.S. Open, and somehow I never, I didn't put two and two together until about a week and a half ago that. One of my closest friends from college is getting married on Saturday in Tahoe. Yep. And uh, so for my Father's Day present for my wife, I've requested that she does all the driving on Sunday. Uh, the, you know, the driving and then tending to our child so I can just slunk down in the passenger seat of our car like a real piece of shit and just put YouTube TV on my phone and just watch golf the entire drive back from Tahoe to the Bay Area. And I'm not that upset about it, but I am bummed because I feel like if I wasn't going to be out of town this weekend, this would be this would be a golf tournament where there's a high potential that I'd be consuming 30-plus hours of golf between Thursday and Sunday. And I do think I'm going to be way down from that, which I, I, I hate to say out loud, let alone on a podcast where there could be thousands of people listening to me and knowing that I might just be an imposter. I, I, I feel terrible. Dude, just record it. And watch it in the mornings and at night, dude. Just be be a day late, you know. And fast I just won't forward. sleep. I'll, I'll I'll just watch it at night and and, and, and just not sleep. D- uh, yeah, or don't. I sleep. feel like that's the move. That's that might be the move. As as, as a California native who is, uh, very excited, I will I will consume enough content for the both of us. I'm okay, gonna be wa- I'm gonna be so locked. I need you to in. pick up the slack. I, this, is, this 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 is why we work. I'm gonna be dummy locked into this U.S. Open. I have all I'm gonna be doing next week is playing golf and preparing for the state am humble brag uh and uh and i will just be watching all of this dude and i cannot wait good dude. speaking good. of good, speaking good, of, good speaking of golf dude really fast though how's your game been dude what's up with your game uh you dog um okay i i did mention this briefly on last week's podcast so i don't want to you know i don't want to belabor the point because i i had my best nine holes in my life last week what'd you shoot Shot five under thirty one. Disgusting on the back nine. Yeah, on, on the back nine of my home course, Benna Valley. Um, now I was texting a little. So actually, I need I need a ruling from you on this. I love. I was texting back and forth with I love Benna Valley. Big yeah, Benna Valley guy. Benna Valley, great vibes of Benna Valley. Um, I was actually texting with our mutual friend and you know fellow nice grass nice people. Uh, frequent host Andy Ferdig, mm-hmm. and you know he had listened to last week's pod when I had mentioned it with Jess. And he's like, 31, you dog. He's like, no way, no way I'm giving you strokes anymore. And I was like, hey, dude, I hate to tell you this. I uh, I didn't post. I didn't post the 31. Each tough post. And he was like, and he was like, dude, you can't. It was like, what, what is this? And I was like, look, there is a caveat with my 31. I don't think it totally counts, but I need a ruling from you. When you play Thursday, when you play the league at Benna Valley, they do the industrial league Monday through Thursday nights. It is lift clean in place, six inch bump, everywhere, from tee to green. That means you are not playing by the USGA rules of golf, which I always understood to be you don't post that score. He's telling me, "Wow, you're a man of integrity, but you're also a potential dirtbag." And he might be right. I I don't know. I've been playing in one of these industrial leagues for 
I don't know, eight years, I've never once posted one of my nine hole scores because I'm like, I'm lift cleaning and placing in the middle of summer. Like, it's not like a totally legit round of golf. As somebody who plays a lot more competitive golf than me, I, I need an official ruling from you. This will determine whether or not the score gets posted. I have a couple questions. Did you have okay. a mud ball? No. Did you... Okay. Did you go from rough to fairway at any point? No. Do Did you chip in? Yes. Do you think you would have chipped in had you not lift cleaned and placed? Was the lie improvement that substantial? I don't believe I improved my lie. See, I mean, here's here's the caveat. Like, I would say, because I actually kind of forget that it's lift clean in place all the time. Yeah, 100%. I would say there was... I would say there was probably maybe five to seven shots. Probably yeah, probably more like five yeah, five shots where I improved my life. Did you lift clean and did you lift clean and place in the rough? Yes. Ooh, that's a big one. Because I again, it felt dirty, but it's the rules. My team had just been getting its ass kicked yeah, yeah, for the so last you, month. We 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 needed a W. Yeah, yeah. Normally I'd be like, no, like I want to know what I'm gonna shoot. Like I, I but we really need the W. I was playing well. I was like, hey, everybody else is taking the fucking bump. It's like I'm basically doing my team a disservice if I don't give if myself don't, the best possible chance. Bump. I would I would have so, said post it until you said you bumped it in the rough because that's a difference. Did you hit the green on okay. that bump from the rough? I think I did. Yeah, see? You know, that's... that's you know, sometimes you don't... I believe hit, I did. Sometimes you don't hit the green from the rough, dude. You know, that's just no. part of the... No, I mean, it's... It, it, I don't, I would, f- frankly, dude. I post everything now. Granted, I, I it was the only time in my life I can ever recall I would play nine or eighteen holes where the swing and the putter was working in in unison. It's amazing how uh, easy the golf only is when you do that. It's amazing. It's amazing. The amazing only fairway I missed, I was like that bump that was in question. I was eight inches off the fairway. And then, what'd you make on that hole? Did you make par? I made, I made an eagle, three birdies. And five parts. Did you eagle that cool ass par five with like the, the kind of half dog legs right, and there's like the trees that kind of block it? That whole sweet. no, because we played the back. We played the back nine. That whole sweet. I like that whole lot. Yeah, uh, I, the front. The front nine is the far superior nine at Benna Valley. Uh, we played the back nine, which starts and finishes with two super gettable par fives. Yep. I eagled and eagled ten, birdied eighteen. I, I would say you have to post it. Um, have to post it. But I would set the precedent to post. Every one of those league scores, even if they feel a little dicey, because I'm sure you've shot your fair share of 43s in that league, right? So I think. Oh, dude, it, it's like a tailor because I'm on two teams. I'm on a, a, a Tuesday night uh, team, Team Suave, and then I'm also on a Thursday night team with my dad, Team Golf Guide. You know, so we can keep you know keep all the you know the family business properties still you know at, at the forefront. And your handicap changes based on your just your scores like you you start with your you know your official handicap but then based on your scores your handicap adjusts throughout the season on tuesday night after what happened after that 31 i think i'm probably down to like a two handicap ooh disgusting which is disgusting for me however for the golf guide team on thursday nights i've only got a chance to play three matches for that team and my three nine hole matches there are <laughs> God damn it. I don't want to say I believe they are 42 47 49. Yeah, dude, you have dude, like you just have fucking to, heinous. You have to post heinous. them all. You have to post them all. You just have to post them all. Moving forward starting okay. today, they just all have to be posted. 
All right, I need a ruling from you. Am I posting the 31 from last week? Yeah, post it. Fuck that. Yeah, hell yeah, post okay. that shit. Andy, you win. All right? Maybe you won't be having to give me strokes next time we play together, you dirty dog. Post you that. You can thank Mr. Durr. Post that. Dude, God, by, by the way, I didn't get a chance to ask. How's your golf game? You said you got the Cal Am coming up here next week. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm. Everything's feeling good. Yeah, really good. I went and played. I played Common Ground, the Tom Doak design in Denver. I was in Denver last yeah, week. Yeah, Denver. That's right. I, you were on a little Denver bender this past week. I was on. You a, seem to be no, no worse for the wear. I was. I didn't leave my house or my couch all day Saturday and most of the day Sunday. Uh, for and first things first, I'm gonna put this PSA out there for the thousands of people listening. Uh, I am a humongous King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard fan. Like huge, like like, I've seen them seven times in the last twelve months. Like I've traveled to see them. <laughs> they are they are my jam. So I saw three shows in two days at Red Rocks for King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, and I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that anymore. I want more Giz heads sliding in my DMs, dude. I need more I need more fellow Giz heads out there. So if you <laughs> or anybody you know is a Giz head, get in these DMs, dude, and let's go see a show and get weird. Um. But yeah, so I went up to Denver to go see the Giz, and obviously had to parlay that into some golf. Played Common Ground, played well. Oh yeah, uh, played well. Um, got super unlucky. I shot seventy two uh, with a double on sixteen. Just um, made one bad swing all day, and it was on sixteen. A long par four, dogleg left into the wind. Pin was tucked back left. Uh, tried to punch. Uh, six iron from like 172 uh, into the wind to like the front middle part of the green kind of pulled it a little bit um, mm-hmm. and it like ricocheted off the lip of a bunker on the short side and then rolled and nestled up against the back lip of the bunker so like my feet were standing at outside of the bunker my club was stand like was barely in the bunker and the ball was like up against the lip so I couldn't really make a good swing and then uh, just chunked it, left it in the bunker, then hit the next one to like 12 feet and then missed it. So made a double there, which was lame. But, uh, I mean, played fine. Game feels good. I'm really excited for the Calam. I really want to make match play. That's my goal. Because if I make match play, I'm exempt into everything next year. So I'm exempt into all of the SCGA championships. I don't have to qualify for anything. I'm exempt into all the NCGA championships if I want to, tra- if I so choose to travel oh, up yeah. and play in any of those. So, uh, Match play at the Calam is a huge deal, and my game feels good, and so I'm really, really excited to go out there and and shoot some good scores, dude. I'm really. excited. What's the rule on on uh, on spectators for 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 stroke play? Uh, encouraged and welcome. Yeah, and they'll have ropes up and everything. So the if you if anybody is in the Bay Area uh, and wants to come out and watch, not just myself, but a bunch of the best uh, amateur golfers in California, Monday and Tuesday, the 19th and 20th of June will be two days of stroke play at Lake Merced. So you'll, if nothing else, it'll be fun to walk around the property and check out the new redesign. But also done by Gil I'm Hans. A, I am going to have a serious sit down with my dude Guy Serlo to see if he is game to come and watch a few holes down at Lake Merced. I've, I've got the, I have the boy by myself every Monday and Tuesday. So it'll be a little father son uh, jaunt down to the city. But damn, that, that that sounds very enticing. Dude, yeah, man, really come on down. Enticing. My uh, my plus my I haven't actually got to coming. see the golf course with my own two eyes since uh since the redo. So it'll actually be you know. A lot, lot of things to look forward to for anybody it, out there. It's wide open, yeah. Like they, they're the spectator. The uh, they send me an FAQ because uh, my parents are coming. They want to come watch, which I, which is really cool because my parents, for the awesome. most part, don't give a shit about my golf. Um, I remember my mom <laughs> and dad sat me down in high school 
when I really started getting, I'll never forget this actually. I really started getting into golf and I was like trying to like pitch my mom and dad on like, Hey, like I want to play in college. I'm getting really good at this. My mom and I were like, well, we're gonna be a hundred percent honest. We don't really care. And your golf is coming. <laughs> your your golf comes second to any family event. So most parents would like sacrifice family vacations and sacrifice like family parties to like take their kids to golf tournaments. My mom and dad were like, uh, "You can't exact opposite. you can't play in that tournament, dude. It's your aunt's birthday." And I'm like, "No, but like you know, she's gonna have seventy more of them. Like, what are we doing? You know?" And she and my mom and dad were like, "No, no, no you're going to the party. We're not we're not going to a golf tournament." And so it's just very cool because now that I'm an adult and I'm in control of my own decisions, I'm actually like starting to have some fruits of my labor, you know? And now they're all like, dude, Mm -hmm. we'd love to come to this tournament. I'm like, you could have come when I was 17, whatever. (laughs) Good for Mr. and Mrs. Dirty. It's it's never too late. Good for them. That's that's fucking amazing. Well, I... um I can't promise that I'll be there, but I I will actually make a good faith effort to come down and watch. Um, okay, man, let's let's start to wrap this thing up. Last question coming back to the uh, to the U.S. Open. Give me, I'm not gonna make you pick one, but like, give me like the one to two names that just feel like you know Dirk Diggler style. They're just up there in your head and bright neon lights. You know, they're so loud they could explode. What 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 comes to mind? Xander Shoffley. Cameron Smith, Sam Burns. I like that. Those are my three. I noticed you didn't go any of the big. I noticed you didn't go any of the top three. No Roars, no Rom, no Scheffler. I I like to avoid those guys because um because what fun if would you're it, betting? Obviously, yeah, what, the odds aren't great. What, yeah, what the returns not great? What fun would it be to pick the favorites? Right. If you want me to pick one out of Rom's uh, Rom Scheffler, uh, Rom Brooks Scheffler McElroy. Rory. Rom Scheffler Brooks McElroy. I'll I'm going Brooks. I'm going to go Brooks. I'm not okay. I'm, I'm not going to be dumb. If I'm if we're, of the top four, I'm picking Brooks, and then of the like of my personal three picks, not including those guys, mm-hmm. the guys that I just think are cool and fun to root for, Xander Cam Burns, the Xander Cam okay. Smith and Burns. Those are my guys. Okay, I like that. And then last but not least, it is a U.S. Open. What do you think? The winning score is going to be three under. Three under. Three under. Interesting. Yeah, three under. Now, at, I don't know if you heard this. Um, I it may have been on that same Friday podcast with Jeff Shackelford. We've mentioned a couple times now. Jeff Shackelford ventured to guess that the winning score of this golf tournament was going to be closer to thirteen under. Yep. Do you think there, there's any chance that this could turn into an Aaron Hills type situation where somebody goes out there and just absolutely just. <laughs> Just rides the golf course like a show pony. I I, I don't know. Of, I, of course, it would be so weird to see. I, yeah, I, I guess if conditions are pretty benign, I think there's a high probability that that happens. Uh, I I think the USGA has got some tricks up its sleeve, and I think this place is gonna okay. get. I think this place is gonna get. I think this place is gonna get hard and buck, dude. And potentially I, very salty on Sunday, I, especially with that wind we were talking yes, about. Yes, I think it's I think it's got potential to be nasty on Sunday. So uh I, I think it's gonna be closer to three under than than uh than thirteen. That being said, if it okay. turns to thirteen, I'm not mad at it, right? I'm not mad at it, but I dude, think I feel like a lot of the best masters tournaments is like when the guy who wins comes in at like ten, eleven, twelve under. That's like that, that's totally fine. Someone who's averaging two or three under par around. Exactly. That's fucking awesome. Good for them. Good for them. I think I think yeah, it, really any result is going to be wildly wildly entertaining as long as Patrick Reed is not the one winning at the end. Oh, uh, he's not long enough. 
I have heard from a few different sources that being able to play a draw on this golf course is a huge advantage. Off the tee, but not so much into the green. Off the tee, yeah, off the tee, exactly. All right, all right, my friend, we've said it all. We, we've done it. Before we bid uh, everybody here goodbye, is there anything you want to share, plug, you know, and anything else you need to let the people know before we head into a major championship here? Uh, guys, enjoy it. I'm very, very excited. Um, I know you have a lot of listeners in the Bay Area. Uh, guys, I'm going to be in the Bay Area for the next two weeks, starting tomorrow. I will be there for two weeks straight. Don't be shy. I will have a lot of free time. I will be playing golf. I will have tea times at the Presidio and all of the fun tracks around the city. I will have my car. I'll be willing to drive. Uh, let's play some golf, man. I know there's a bunch of you guys that always say you want to play golf with me and always say you want to hang out. Well, we have two weeks where I will be doing nothing but playing golf. So let's get something on oh, the books. Yeah. Slide in my DMs. Um, I will be super locked into this U.S. Open. I will be watching a lot of it. So slide into my DMs and talk some shit about my picks. Talk some shit about the golf course. Talk some shit about how Northern California is better than Southern California. I don't care, dude, but these DMs are wide open, and I'm going to be on full, essentially, you know, vacation mode. I'm just going to be playing golf and watching golf for the next two weeks, and I cannot wait. So get in this phone, get in these DMs, and and you know what, dude? Happy U.S. Open Week. It's the best major, and everybody knows it. And if you don't know it, you just don't want to admit it. Perfectly well said. On that note, everybody, have a great U.S. Open. We look forward to coming back to you guys with a recap at the beginning of next week. But until then, enjoy the golf. And I'll